Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. I want to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation in your Bible or in the order of service, page 5. We're going to read Revelation chapter 8 and 9 this morning. And you'll see as we read this passage, there's probably nothing else like this in all the Bible. And so we need God's help, don't we? I need God's help this morning. We need it together. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And then we also have another prayer straight after it on page 7. Our prayer as we come to God's word. Katrina will sing for us again. Uh, So as you find Revelation chapter 8, let me pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we love how relevant your word is to our lives. There is nothing about the beauty or the brokenness of this world that takes you or the Bible by surprise. We love that we do not gather here week by week to pretend, to escape how evil the world, but rather to cry out to you, to listen, to learn, to love you more. And above all else, to treasure the fact that you hold the universe in your hands. And so in all your greatness and goodness, in all your strangeness from us, And in all your closeness to us by your spirit, speak, we pray, for we are listening. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Revelation chapter 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. 
The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, And they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die and death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their head were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. You see a footnote uh, in your Bible, if you're reading from the Bible, says that Apollyon means destroyer. The first woe has passed, and behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. The heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, the two-thirds, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Amen. God's judgment in a picture. 
That is our passage today, Revelation 8 and 9. Here is a vision. If you were to put it up again on this white screen behind my head, here is a vision of what it looks like for God to judge the earth. And like I said, as we've read it together, I wonder what you made of those verses. I'm not sure there are any more terrifying chapters in all the Bible than what we've just read. So I want to simply this morning dive right into it. And I want to give you two big truths about chapters 8 and 9. The, the, these are the words in your ear as you're in the art gallery looking at the picture up on the wall. You're looking at John's painting. And the painting is called The Seven Trumpets. That's the name of the painting, The Seven Trumpets. That's what you're looking at. But we're all thinking, but what does it mean? So I want you this morning to put your art gallery earpiece in, the little thing that you get that uh, explains and translates and explains, gives you words as you're looking at the images. Here are words to make sense of what you're looking at. And then once we've done that, then I want to apply it to us as much as I possibly can. Here's the first big truth for us to know, to look at these chapters. Number one, the great day of the wrath of the Lamb is coming. The great day of the wrath of the Lamb is coming. You know, it, it might be that you find yourself in church with us this morning, and of all mornings you've picked today to come to this sort of reading, and you're, you're rightly wondering, what on earth is this that you're part of? Maybe you've been in church for years, and you're still wondering, what on earth is this? I didn't know this was in my Bible, words like this. It is utterly bewildering, bewildering and terrifying, isn't it? And yet, what, what we've just read here together, well, think about it like this, okay? After every major incident on earth, there is an investigation, isn't there, or a public inquiry. The government handling of COVID, there will be a public inquiry. Government handling of abuse claims in Scotland, there was an investigation committee after committee. Piper Alpha, Hillsborough disaster, investigation and inquiry. The death of George Floyd, a criminal trial. And in every single case, the reason all those activities happen is because we want the truth to come out, don't we? We want justice to win. We want the people who've made mistakes to put their hand up and take responsibility. We want the guilty to be punished. And we want truth and goodness and beauty to triumph. The Bible says that at the end of time, that is what God is going to do to the world. That is what God will do. There will be a divine inquiry into everything. A leveling up for everything. Everything. Everything that has ever gone wrong. It will be a day of terrible judgment for the earth. Remember the words we read a couple of weeks ago, chapter 6, verse 15. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free. In other words, from the top of society to the very bottom hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The great day 
the great day of the wrath of God, Revelation says, is coming. Look at chapter 8, our passage, verse 2. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Seven angels here, seven trumpets. And yet you will have noticed maybe in our reading, we only hear six trumpets. The seventh trumpet does not sound until chapter 11, verse 15. Chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. Now there, the seventh trumpet, you see, there is the end of everything. That is where chapters 8 and 9 are heading, all heading towards the blowing of the seventh trumpet, chapter 11, verse 15. And that is a picture of the end of all things, the end of all time, the end of the world. Chapters 8 and 9 only really make sense if we have that truth in front of us this morning, right in the front of our mind. We are heading in these chapters towards the end of the world. Friends, this morning, take every single tear you've ever cried. Take every tear you've ever cried for every hurt ever inflicted on you. Every evil deed, every evil thing you have had done to you or done to others. Every deed done in darkness or done in broad daylight, Revelation says there is a day fixed when the trumpet will sound and the end will be here and all will be dealt with. All will be out in the open. There will be an an accounting for every wrong. It is an incredible truth. That's the big thing to have in your mind. Number one, the great day of the wrath of the Lamb is coming. But here's the second thing. Number two, the great day of the wrath of God comes before it comes. The great day of the wrath of God comes before it comes. You remember what happens? I guess we're not going to see it this year with COVID restrictions, but every four years, the Olympics. You remember uh, what happens? The opening day of the Olympics, they light the Olympic flame, a huge torch, a huge furnace is lit. The huge furnace is lit on the great day of the games, but... Before then, remember, for four years before you get to that point, what happens? That massive furnace in miniature form travels throughout the earth, doesn't it? The flame might have come down your street and in your city. It passes all over the world. Before the flame comes, it comes in miniature. It travels throughout the world in small form. You see, that is what is happening here this morning, Revelation 8 and 9. If judgment is coming at the end, then what do you need? You need warning, don't you? I want warning. You need an alarm. In our day, if we were writing this today, in our day, we would do it digitally. We would send a text or the red light would flash or the siren would sound. But in the ancient world, you blew a trumpet The trumpet was the herald's instrument. You remember, we've been seeing this in Revelation. Nearly all of this imagery in Revelation comes from the Old Testament. 
And in the Old Testament, trumpets sounded the alarm that battle was near, about to commence. Before we get the seventh trumpet, the end, we get the mini ends. We get the small flames. We get the six trumpet advance echoes of the end. The great day of the wrath of God comes before it comes. Now, it doesn't come in literally sequential stages. These uh, six trumpets, they're not going to blow one after the other after the other as if they're different periods of world history. No, these are all just pictures all blended together of what it is like for God to warn the world that judgment is coming. This is the story of the world, chapters 8 and 9. I mean, just look at the images in it, everything we've had to wrap our heads around. This is the story of the world in vision form, not history book form. Somebody has said, this is dream, not documentary. This is Pixar, not panorama. So Pixar films, we all love them, don't we? Monsters, Inc., Uh, with fantastic beasts with one eye right in the middle of their head, or despicable me, villains who have thousands of yellow minions running around, and yet they adopt little girls and they want to steal the moon. It's It's not a literal depiction of reality, is it? And yet, of course, here's the thing, Pixar films do still tell you about what is real, don't they? They tell you that courage triumphs that love is beautiful, that families matter, and so on. John has a dreamlike vision in which he sees seven angels blowing seven trumpets, and here's what these trumpets are saying. The world God has made is broken, and we broke it. And when we broke it in a garden in one small corner of the earth, when we broke it there, we broke the whole thing. And because we broke it, God is angry. And one day God will come to fix it and fix it forever. That's what Revelation 8 and 9 are saying in Pixar form. So chapter 6, we saw that the story of the world is the story of four horsemen. Remember, conquest, war, famine, and death. And now in chapter 8, we learn that the same history of the world can be told from a different angle, but this time not four horsemen. This time it is the story of, well, chapter 8, the story of four trumpets. In other words, four different types of warning. Four warnings that God blasts down to the earth. What are they? Just put your eye on them from verse 6 onwards. Just look how each of the trumpets affects a different part of nature. So verse 7, the earth is affected. The earth. Verse 8, second trumpet, the sea is affected. Verse 10, trumpet 3, this is, this is about fresh water that we drink being infected, polluted. This is dysentery on the earth. The fourth trumpet, the heavens are polluted and disfigured. Friends, do you see what John is giving to us? Here is another layer to his portrait of world history. It's not just what we do to each other. Four horsemen, conquest, war, famine, and death. 
It's not just what we do to each other. Look what the world does to us, he says in chapter 8. Earth, sea, water, air. Ecological, natural disasters on every hand. This is what the world calls acts of God. It is volcano, earthquake, bushfires in Australia. Bushfires that kind of suffocate all the oxygen out of the air for weeks on end and the moon is turned red. Now, Revelation chapter 8 is tsunamis. It is landslides down a Welsh slag heap that destroy a primary school and leave a village shrouded in sorrow for a generation. Revelation 8 is flood and accident and disaster that can strike in a moment in nature that is red in tooth and claw. And yet, friends, look, listen. What is John listening to here? Isn't this amazing? He is not just seeing. He is listening to trumpets, warnings. Friends, I want to ask you, with every earthquake, with every flood, with every drought, with every natural disaster, not what do you see, but what do you hear? What do you hear? Listen to C.S. Lewis. You know these words. C.S. Lewis said, we can ignore pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Brothers and sisters this morning, do you know the world around us sees? The world sees, everyone can see. But can we hear? Seven megaphones to rouse a deaf world. Seven different ways of warning that judgment is coming. The great day of the wrath of the Lamb comes before it comes. It's why, it's why the eagle cries in verse 13, isn't it? I looked and heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Chapter 9, I think trumpets 5 and 6 are particularly terrifying, aren't they? And to be completely honest with you, I am not completely sure what they mean. If you've got clear insight into the trumpets 5 and 6, come and speak to me afterwards. I have wrestled with them all week long. They are, they are pictures of the kinds of suffering that some people on earth experience. And this seems to be, doesn't it? It seems to be in chapter 9, the kind of suffering that people who don't know the Lord Jesus experience. You see that in verse 4? the people who haven't been sealed that Will was telling us about last week. And locusts are often a a symbol of God's judgment on the earth, aren't they? This is not a literal picture of what is going to happen. You are never going to see locusts with women's hair on the earth. This is a picture instead of the kind of suffering that is almost impossible to bear. Too too awful to describe. I think this is a picture of the kind of grief that 
the world sees, verse 4. Not, not Christians. This is, this is a picture of people who suffer injustice, bereavement, illness, death, and they do not have the hope of the Lord Jesus and the hope of heaven and the glory of the gospel in their hearts. They suffer alone, lost in darkness. And you see, while the church, Christ's people, while the church suffers the persecution of the world, the world suffers the torments of the Satan, the devil. See that? That's what chapter 9 is saying. Christ's people suffer the persecution of the world, but the world suffers the torments of the devil. I think it's the same with the sixth trumpet. The the Euphrates River, it ran from northern Syria down through Babylon. This river was the border between Israel and their enemies. And so this is a picture of, of massive warfare, persecution against God's people. Verse 16, that number, if you do the maths, is 200 million. It's kind of, kind of demonic horses, aren't they? For the power of the horses, verse 19, is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. It's the same with the locusts, verses 10 and 11. See, trumpets five and six, friends, are saying that there are demonic forces of evil behind much of the evil and suffering that we see. Some of the evil and suffering in the world is so awful, only demonic presence can understand it. And friends, with the strangeness of these words, I want to encourage you today that what you hold in your hands, in your Bible, on your lap or your phone or printed on the page, that is there because the Bible is real about what this world is really like. We are not in retreat from reality this morning being here together. We're not interested in pie in the sky when you die, are we? We're not interested in fairy tales. No, here is the Lord Jesus calling to his world and saying, can you see with open eyes how broken it is? How evil the world is? It is so broken, full of so much evil. Some of you will have seen uh, on your news the last couple of months, Richard Pusey. He's an Australian man who last month was jailed for the rare charge of outraging public decency. Richard Pusey had been speeding on a freeway and he was pulled over by four police officers. And as the police officers were making his arrest, all four officers were struck by a lorry. And as they lay dying at the scene, Pusey filmed them on his phone, taunting them. Now, is that human to you? Or is it demonic? It's almost non-human, isn't it? Chapter 9, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, verse 1. I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. 
Oh, friends, such suffering, such evil. We see it, don't we? That BBC News article, Richard Pusey, seen by millions. But here's what I want us to know today. John says, yes, you can see it, but can you hear it? Can you hear it? Can you hear what the things that you are seeing are saying to you? Can you hear God's seven megaphones? Can you hear? For look at chapter 9, verse 20. Look at chapter 9, verse 20. The rest of mankind, those who see and not harmed, who have life in their bodies, who watch the news, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze. Brothers and sisters, right here this morning, in these words, is the astonishing truth of this passage. Astonishing. It is possible to see all of world history and not repent and not come to God on bended knee. It is possible to see and not hear. Listen to C.S. Lewis again. He says, no doubt pain as God's megaphone, no doubt it is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepentant rebellion, but pain gives the opportunity for amendment. Pain removes the veil. Pain plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. What John sees here, friends, terribly, chapter 9, verse 20, what John sees is that so many, so many people choose not to hear and choose not to repent, and choose not to amend their ways. They choose to build their fortress even higher and stronger. And they refuse to turn away from their own selfish empires. It is possible to see a natural disaster and not hear a warning. All the way through, did you notice it became so pronounced, didn't it, as we're reading, all the way through, a third, a third, a third, a third. In other words, not all, not on everyone, so that what happens to some, to a third, is meant to be a warning to two-thirds, to the rest unaffected. Some came to Jesus and told him that Pilate had mingled human blood with animal blood in sacrifices. It was a grossly offensive thing to do. And Jesus said, do you think the people that Pilate killed were worse sinners than anyone else? Did they deserve to die an awful death? No. A tower in Siloam falls and kills 18 people. And Jesus said, look, this this natural disaster, a tower falling, does it mean those 18 were worse sinners than anyone else? No. But what do those events mean? Do you remember what Jesus said? No, those deaths do not mean those people were worse than anyone else, but they trumpet to us the end of all people. 
unless we repent, we will all likewise perish. The death of some is a warning reminder about the coming death of all, isn't it? Oh, it speaks. It speaks. Listen to God's trumpets, friends, in Revelation 8 and 9. Here they are for us today. Six clear, loud blasts on God's megaphone. The day of the wrath of the Lamb comes before it comes. Hurricane Irma. Earthquake in Mexico. M5 motorway pileup. Pandemic. The the funeral that you attended not long ago, the good friend that you sat with and wept while they had their unexpected diagnosis out of the blue that turned their world upside down. Did you just see the signs or did you hear them? You know what we're like with sign language? We have everything back to front, don't we? We are experts in reading the football team sheet. We're able to look at the lineup. We're able to interpret who's most likely to win on a Saturday. We're able to forecast and predict what we need to wear on a Thursday evening because of the weather. We're able to look at the stock markets and decide whether to buy or to sell. We're able to look at the results table and work out which school to send our children to. Be better to go here than to to go there. Amazing, isn't it? We're good with data. We can look at the data and decide that it's better to vote for an independent Scotland than against it. Or we read another piece of analysis that convinced us it's better to vote against it rather than for it. We can use every trick in the book to cover our backs and protect our loved ones financially for the next 30 years. How is it, friends, we can read the world like that? We can read the world like that, but we do not watch lifeless bodies on hospital floors and corridors and morgues in India and see and hear the Lord Jesus saying to us, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. We see, but do not hear. It's why this this whole section opens, did you notice, chapter 8, verse 1, with silence. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. See, just like in the Old Testament, trumpets mean warning. So too in the Old Testament, silence means God is about to act in judgment. It's what we do in the courtroom, isn't it? The judge enters, someone says, all rise, and then, quiet, please. Silence. Here is the verdict. Just like the head juror stands in a courtroom to read out the verdict, so verse 2, so the seven angels now stand ready to warn the universe seven times. God is going to act. Verse 5, they are ready to blow their trumpets. Here comes the warning. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. But what triggers verse 5, friends? 
Notice how verse 5 begins, then, after this. What makes the angels prepare to blow? Verse 3, and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God and from the hand of the angel. Friends, take this in with me. What is the trigger for all of God's temporal judgments, the warnings that he gives to all the earth to heed? Do you see what it is? It is the prayers of the saints. Isn't that that amazing? Rising up to his ears in heaven, offered like incense on the altar of their sacrificed lives. It is the prayers of God's people in chapter 6. How long, O Lord? And as the saints pray, then, verse 5, the angel took. What is it that propels history? What governs the world? Chance? Fate? Money? Sex? Power? What makes world history happen the way that it does? Let John's vision teach us a surprising answer today. Prayer. Prayer, speaking to God. There is nothing you can do today that is more powerful than speaking to God. Look at us sitting here today, ordinary people, men, women, young, old, weak, strong. And John says, you shape history. You shape history by what you say to God. You see it, verse 4, verse 5. As they do this, then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar. People pray, God acts. God hears his people speak, and then he raises his megaphone to his lips and asks the world, now can you hear me speak? See, that the scale of what John is giving you here this morning could not be bigger, brothers and sisters. You are a major player in world history. You are a major player in world history. You really are. If you speak to God, you move mountains and you play a part in empires falling. I wonder if you noticed, did any big alarm bells go off in your mind reading Revelation Revelation 8 and 9? Did you know that five of the plagues on Egypt are repeated here in these trumpet blasts? Five of the plagues on Pharaoh and his people. It's a way, it's John's way of saying that what God did to Egypt, warning them to repent, is a picture of what he does to the world, warning it to repent. But why did God send the plagues on Egypt? Do you remember Exodus, the opening chapters? Then God heard the cries of his people. Then God heard the cries of his people. What did God say in Genesis 6? Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. I wonder if you've ever thought that, friends. The, the entire outworking of world history is the outworking of God answering the cries of his suffering people. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because God has heard the prayers of his people. And before the end comes, before final judgment, there is warning judgment. 
There is an opportunity to put your house in order and to run to the Lamb. And so we pray. We pray. We speak to God. So several years ago, we had an American family with us at Trinity. Uh, here, uh, the, the father in the family was studying, Taito Chino. And Taito used to preach for us a few times. On his final Sunday, his final sermon, Taito gave us some reflections on what they'd learnt being part of Trinity for a few years. And he said, I need to, I need to confess to you, in our first months with you as a church family, we used to just come home and think, boy, in their services, they pray a lot. And he said, it just was unusual to us. There were prayers all the time, two or three prayers each service. And it used to grate on us, a lot of praying. We weren't used to it. And then he said, over time, as we began to understand what was happening and why you were doing it, he said no no words meant more to him at the end of their time with us than hearing the person leading the service say, let's pray. Let's pray. Do you know, out of everything in the whole of lockdown, over a year of it, the worst thing for me has not been speaking to a camera, has not been not singing has not been having to watch you with with masks on and distance and separated from each other. The single greatest thing I have missed in our services together is the pastoral prayer. The moments after the sermon where we together gather up everything that we feel and all that we are and we present them to God. Here we are, weak people, but you are strong, our Father in heaven. You know that Mary, Queen of Scots, said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. I want to ask you as I finish, if you know and if you believe that God takes more notice of the prayers of the saints than he does of all the resolutions of a parliament, do you believe that? God takes more notice of you speaking to him today than he does in what happens in the polling stations on Thursday. Oh, there will be no cameras on Thursday asking you who you prayed for, what you prayed, when you pray, why you pray. Oh, the eyes of the world are on our leaders, aren't they? God takes more notice of you speaking to him than he does a State of the Union address or a Downing Street or First Minister's briefing. Our friends, one day we will see that all of those things were only themselves somehow the outworking of God's plan for the world when you opened your mouth and your heart and spoke to him and said to him, How long, O Lord? How long? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.